Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 109. I am joined tonight by... I keep saying tonight, man. I'm joined today <laughs> by my co-host, now feeling better, although sounds a little bit stuffed up, Thomas Smiley. And we're going to talk about Legacy. Yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. I finished grad school, so I've had a bunch of extra free time. So I've been watching, like, cooking videos online and the stupid National Geographic show called Building Wild, where they basically just, like, build cabins. And, oh, yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, that's been that's been my life for the last week or so. Love that show. Have you Do you watch Alone at all? Uh, no, but I, I heard you guys talking about it in the group chat. I have not seen any episodes of it, but I'm, I'm sure it would be something that would be good to watch. I've never seen the other seasons, but season six is fire, bro, and they're up in uh, up in northern Canada. So they, they basically just get, like, dropped off, yeah. and they have to, like, build shelter and survive? Yeah, there's there's ten of them, and they get dropped off, like, uh, with their, their own five-mile radius, and they each have to survive, yeah. That's crazy. And, yeah. So they're not ten, like, working together? It's, like, a competition no. where you're on your own? Exactly. That's craziness. You just have a satellite phone and someone comes and checks on you once a week to make sure you didn't lose more than 10 pounds that week. Holy shit. Or they pull you. Yeah. It's good, man. You should check it out. But All right. I'll definitely watch it. What is uh, Jacques Pepin? Oh, Jacques Pepin. Uh, that's the cooking stuff that I was watching. I uh, I had a few drinks one night and stumbled across this like three-hour-long must have been made in the legit 80s like cooking show that got up or cooking video that got uploaded to YouTube with all of like those old like VHS title screens if you know what I'm talking about yeah I do I, I watched like three hours of that and I think at one in the morning I was like all right you gotta put this in the cast notes maybe <laughs> I, uh, maybe I yeah, had it a little was, bit too much you've never messaged me with uh you need to add this to the cast notes so i figured it was very urgent it wasn't really urgent i was just <laughs> at the time that's, though, that's what transformative happened. life-changing experience <laughs> yep actually that reminds me i gotta grab a beer hold on i have a diet mountain dew because i have okay. people coming over to my house later for uh for work with my kid so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be drunk when they show up got a miller light from my nice uh walk-in closet hiding spot good for you yeah. Do you at least uh, have like a little fridge in there, or is it a? Uh... No, but it's it's shaded, so they stay about sixty degrees. <laughs> so gross, <sighs> bro. Uh, <laughs> I, I I've gotten a lot of help. I've thanked everybody from the Cleveland area who's reached out to me, helping me get on my feet out here, showing me where the sausage is at. But basically, I I need some more help. I I need to put out the APB. Okay. Liquor stores around here, bro. I don't know what's going on. So you Google or Google Map or whatever liquor store and there's it, – it gives you like supermarkets and then sometimes it will give you like state liquor agency. So you figure that's a safe place to go. Yeah. Bro, everywhere. Gas stations, supermarkets, state liquor agency, whatever. They just have the same shit. They have all these wines and beers. Then they have Malibu rum. A Majorska vodka that's like a, a low, uh, what do you call it? ABV. Uh, low, yes, low ABV. And some kind of like cheap whiskey, I- Irish Road or Irish Mill or something. 
and they're all like these low proof things. So obviously there's some sort of thing going on here where you can only sell over a certain proof with a certain license. Oh, is, is Ohio one of those like state controlled liquor? Yeah, states I don't know where, what's like, going the on. State does the purchasing. Yeah, some there's got to be something weird going on, and I haven't really looked into it. I've just been like, okay, I'm sure. Like I Google someplace and I like see the pictures, and I'm like, that looks like Jameson. I'll be good. And then I go there, and then it's the same shit as everywhere else. There's like peach schnapps and all this shit that's like twenty, you know, forty proof or whatever. So are you telling me that you can't find Jameson in Ohio? No, it's been like three weeks now. That's it's fucking brutal. crazy. Yeah, dude. I don't All know right, you've got to give on. me your address because I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna ship you. I'm gonna ship you a uh, housewarming present. Is that and, legal? I mean, probably not, but <laughs> I'm still gonna do it. What did What did uh, Mitch Hepberg say? I I love my mailman because he's a drug dealer. He doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely sold beers through the mail before. Like I've gone on treehouse runs. And I think my record was I sold three beer. I shouldn't say this on the podcast. But I sold <laughs> three beers for like just short of three hundred dollars. It was awesome. Damn, dude, that's yeah. that's pretty insane. Get on that hype train. <sighs> yeah. So yeah, liquor stores. I, I really need to find out what's going on. Anybody who's been reaching out to me, uh, John Fannin, uh, our buddy Pershbacher, any of you guys who who might have any idea what's going on, I need some help. But, dude, I was just watching this video, actually. Uh, PewDiePie was doing uh, whiskey reviews. Okay. And he had an $800 bottle of whiskey and Jameson, and he picked the Jameson as being better. So what was, Do you remember what the $800, $800 bottle was? Was it? it? It was a Japanese whiskey. Oh, uh, okay, like it, a Nika. It was like six letters, began with an M. I can't remember the name, but like Moriko or something. And it turned out that, that that Japanese whiskey just got exposed as being like a uh, a, a fake, basically. It was like a, a rebottle of repackaging of some other whiskey. So he was vindicated by the, by his selection of Jameson. Okay, great. I, when you when I saw the eight hundred dollar bottle of whiskey in the cast notes, I was like, all right, Cleveland. I mean, it's kind of close to Kentucky. Maybe maybe he's <laughs> talking about bottles of Pappy or or. Uh, Van Winkle. No, um, yeah, I just no. put it there to make sure that I got my call out because I don't know what's going on. Okay, I got you. Also, yeah, I just wanted to wish our buddy uh, Charlie Heverin a happy birthday today. Yeah, how old is he? Like 14 now? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I imagine he's probably 22. That's crazy that he's in his mid-20s. Yeah. And I've been he's... playing this game for too long. He's, yeah, seriously, bro. Me too. He's going Remember the his, trip uh, when we took him game. when he was like 15 on like the degenerate uh, uh, New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was yes, that's right. That was gross. Um, yeah. Oh, also by the way, we're, Twitter was bl- absolutely blowing up about like where are the worst places to to go for Magic tournaments, and uh, that place in New Jersey is pretty shitty. That's up there. That's on that's on my list. Oh, you think so? Yeah, there's no food options anywhere close. You're literally just driving to the middle of like. An office park. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Now I'm thinking about it, but it's so centrally located for everybody. I uh, mean, not for us. Worcester's better for us. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's what centrally located is like. You know, they can get there from DC or they can get there from wherever those grinders live. All Ohio. over. 
Yeah. R- raccoon trash cans everywhere. <laughs> There's supposedly a really good deli by that place. You ever hear about that? Uh, so I found it. It, it was okay. Uh, it was like attached to a hotel. It wasn't. It wasn't anything. I, honestly, you find food around there, and like that's like you found the good place. Because yeah. there's only, like, three places in a ten-mile radius. That's true, actually. So, anyway. So, we had a, we had a ton of tournaments this week, bro. Uh, well, actually, it seems like more tournaments because the Gen Con lists were posted. Yep. So, I included those in the cast notes, too. But we had our usual challenges this week. We also had the NRG uh mtgo open or whatever they're called they call the the events yeah that was a that was an exciting tournament yeah for sure and then there was you know the gen con results were posted like i just said so we've got potentially a ton of lists to review this week uh i got back into moto this week as promised it was kind of uneventful playing Stoneblade, a lot of three twos a lot of two threes it's like it's felt like it always does kind of mm-hmm. but uh, my experience playing on Moto was pretty different because there were so many non-blue decks. Like, every league I was playing three or four non-blue decks. Uh, it might have just been when I was playing or whatever, but... Looking at the results from the tournaments lately, it's just like, we keep seeing the same thing, right? We keep seeing Rug, Delver, Snow decks, Smattering of Elves decks, you know. Same thing over and over, right? Yeah. Like, lots of elves, lots of rug. That's, I mean, that's the place where we've been in for the last month or so. But at least we're starting to see a little bit of, like, different things. Actually, I don't know if you want to say that Doomsday is different, because we, we, we've we been talking about that a lot. But yep. in the top eight of the NRG tournament, uh, it was basically just all of those common decks you talked about, plus a Doomsday that stuck in there from Ethan. Yeah, and so if you look at, like, the Gen Con top eight versus the NRG top eight... Uh, they're the exact same thing, except that there's a Doomsday deck in the... A Doomsday and a Death and Taxes deck in the NRG series top 8 mm-hmm. versus a Bug Zenith, the Orion deck, and an Eldrazi deck in Gen Con. Yep. Other, other than that, they're almost identical. Yeah, and then if you look at the Gen Con top 8 versus the most recent challenge, the top 4 is literally the exact same. Yep. So we're we're sort of in a very settled place, and that's that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. We didn't talk about this before the cast, so we're going in here raw. But basically, like if the meta just stays where it is right now, like what you know, we've got Zendikar coming out in th- three or four weeks. I want to say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the potential to change. Let's say that there are no cards in Zendikar that change anything. We have to get a ban, right? I mean, do we? I think so. Okay. I mean, I think that... I think that, obviously, uh, Rug Delver, performance-wise, has a sort of advantage against the field right now, but it's not, like, so oppressive that you can't beat it. There are lots of decks that are competing against it on different axes, like Elves and... Um, some of the some of the combo decks but i don't know if we we need a ban i I mean i think that if you want to shake things up and there are no new cards and obviously that's the way to do it um but are we still talking just oko yeah that's actually kind of that wasn't really where i wanted to come into this but i do think that that's what it would be 
uh, because I was gonna say I looked at the Pioneer challenges just because we had they had the bands there. Yeah, the format actually looked really pretty sweet. Like I was looking at the top eight and I was like, man, that looks cool. Like people are brewing again, you know. Oh yeah, but I mean, this... like that's like okay. You can't after a card gets banned, right? And the whole format gets shaken up. Yeah, it's gonna seem cool. Right, like oh, look at this and look at this and, and that's awesome. I love that. Right. And then it just takes like a month or two of people playing it to like get back to the same spot. Yeah, no, that's true. But there's like that sort of authentic buzz around the format right now. And it's weird though, because there's kind of a contradiction that when I'm in the leagues right now, like I was in the league, the legacy league yesterday, and there were 475 in the league, which is like about a hundred higher than the average was three months ago or two months ago when I was playing uh, legacy leagues. Okay. Is that so, just an indictment of the other formats being shit though? Maybe, or? but I'm just saying there's a lot of people playing and then we look at these challenges and there were a ton of people in the Sunday challenge and there were still 211 people in the showcase challenge last week. And there mm-hmm. were, there were a lot of people in the NRG event. So it's like, the numbers are actually still pretty good, so maybe people are enjoying this. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, uh, it's not it's not as bad as it has been in the past, right? Like, no, de- definitely not. So I when I when I look, we obviously see that there is a quote unquote top deck, and I don't think there's anything bad like there's anything wrong with that. Right. The rug delver deck doesn't seem to be as oppressive as like Deathrite Shaman Grixis Delver used to be, or no, you know I don't what think I'm saying? So. It's not like I don't know if we need a ban. I, I think if you want to shake things up, then um, Oko's probably the card to do it. But uh, I, I think people are fine with this. Yeah, well, so I think that the problem with Oko is sort of like Deathrite, where the best Delver deck by a, a good margin is Rug Delver, and the best control deck is like this four-color snow deck that leans on Oko pretty heavily. Uh-huh. So you've got you've got this one card in both of those best archetypes. Like those those are two macro archetypes, right? Like mid range and mm-hmm. and well, I guess in legacy it would be like Delver as its own macro archetype, but small mid range and big mid range, I guess you could call them. And this one card is a three of in both of them. Yeah, I mean it's a very good card, but if you ban Oko, does that just shift color combinations and have people play like? Uh, three cost to ferry in that spot. Like it's just like, I, I don't know. You, you you push one domino over and it changes a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. It seems to me like everything is kind of fine right now. I know that people who who are playing might have completely different opinions, but it seems like the best deck isn't super oppressive, and um and there are the tools to fight it. So yeah. Well, after this week, we're definitely going to have to go on another guest run. I've got a couple lined up. Okay. Uh, a couple people I've talked to that I think uh, two returning guests and one new guest that Ooh. all want to come on and are all playing a lot. And I think we'll uh, benefit from having their perspectives. But Who are, can I get? You, we don't have to tell the listeners, but who are we getting? Oh, uh been asking to come on. Awesome there yeah and the new guest is a surprise but so yeah basically and i think they'd be good guests right now because of the decks that they're playing Mm -hmm. but um you know like how 
how much do people want to hear us just say, oh, first was Rug Delver and second was Snow and third was Rug Delver and fourth was Eldrazi and fifth was Rug Delver. And so, you know what I mean? Like if, if this meta perpetuates through, let's say November. Yep. It's just it's just going to be like banging our head against the wall, right? Because you're I don't, absolutely right. But I mean, I we all watch the morning news to look at like coronavirus counts in the county and, and all <laughs> that stuff. So like, people are accustomed to that style of data presentation. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't have uh, TV anymore, so people keep asking me like, "Oh, what's what's the coronavirus like in Ohio?" And I'm like, "I don't know," because I don't like I don't see like that that news presentation anymore. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. All you see is like national news, you know? I gotcha. But, yeah. So, one thing that I thought was really cool that I wanted to take a look at was the missing challenge that never got posted because of the bans from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, where the, the hamster wheel wasn't moving that day. Exactly. There were two lists from that challenge that I really wanted to dive into, if you're game. Yeah. All right. First of all, Tony Scapone usually playing blue red Delver, sometimes with accumulated knowledge. You know, sometimes on a more Bernie axis. Mm-hmm. But uh, eighth place, Tony Scapone with blue red white Delver. So when I when I saw blue red white Delver, I thought Stoneforge, right? Yeah, Not I mean st- that's traditionally what has yeah. uh, has been done. But Not we Stoneforge. saw. We saw a list similar to this with Stifle in Stifle in a mid-range Delver shell last week or the week before, didn't we? Um, we we've seen a lot of Stifle, yeah, but this is specifically like a a blue-red creature suite like Delver, Dreadhorde Arcanist, Young Pyromancer, Snapcaster, Brazen Borrower, with then two Teferis and three Swords to Plowshares so as the White Splash. Yeah, and accumulated knowledge main deck too. Yeah. It's um. It's so weird seeing a deck where let's take out the creature suite, right? Yeah. And just take a look at the spells. And if you didn't have the days and the stifle there, you would think like, oh, okay, it's just like a like a Jeskai mid range, probably using a Stoneforge package, or it could be like a weird version of Jeskai Miracles or whatever they're trying to do now. Yeah, mentor. Yeah, like, and then you see Delver along with accumulated knowledge, and you're like, "What? What is going on here?" But with the number of blue pitch counters, and I, I don't know, like, no way for the traditional Delver deck to actually gain an actual card advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, accumulated knowledge seems really interesting if you're planning on sort of like playing a long game, and the extra value creatures like Pyromancer kind of lend themselves to that type of game plan yeah for sure one dreadhorde arcanist is kind of weird i know that you're playing the accumulated knowledge but like doesn't like doesn't it just make more sense to like forget the cute stuff and just play four dreadhorde and play the deck in like a more standard manner i absolutely would yeah if i yeah. were to jam this deck i think i would go four delver three arcanist and then two young pyromancers and maybe a mentor yeah, I, I guess that, like, you can say that people are ready for the Arcanist draw engine and sort of might be over-prepared for that. So the playing the accumulated knowledge dodges the extra removal that people are planning on pointing at an Arcanist. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're still, like, you're running a very small number of creatures. And right. uh, 
not having not having enough creatures to work through single target removal seems seems like a very likely thing that could happen with this deck. Yeah. That, no, I see what you're saying. I do really like this deck, though, man. I think that Teferi plus Delver, and also this goes back to what we've been saying for a while, which is that Delver is just so much better than the next best creature because this isn't really a Delver deck is what I think you were trying to say, uh, with with the exception of the fact that it is playing three Dazes and two Sifles. Uh, this isn't your traditional Delver deck at all. No, and, absolutely not. I mean, you got like two Mystic Sanctuaries, for example, uh, only three Wastelands, and Teferis, you know? But yeah. I do well, think I guess that, that, like, the three days doesn't seem as out of place as it would have when you take into account the two Sanctuaries. Right. Right, like, days just turns into something that, that could be considered a little bit better, so... Yeah, and with I accumulated knowledge in the mid-late game, uh, Mystic Sanctuary becomes, like, draw two, draw three, potentially. Yep. So, really pretty good, but... I think, uh, I, I actually really like this deck a lot. Like, I, I'm definitely going to jam some leagues with this deck now that I saw what, it. What's up with the Aria Flame in the sideboard? Dude, do you like that card? So, no. I've played against it several times uh, online in, in decks that I didn't expect to see it out of. Yeah. Uh, and I've never lost to it before, but I've always felt like when they brought it in, like, what were they thinking when they brought this in? Because I don't know. I, I don't well, know, like, what problem scenario is that? So their win cons, they have nine fairly fragile creatures. Right. And they have a, a good a good amount of counter magic to be able to protect them. But I can see Aria of Flame being brought in as an alternate win condition when you know that you're not going to be able to win through combat because either the other deck is too loaded with removal or... Uh, sort of too flooded with creatures for you guys to for, for you to be able to connect. Yeah, um, like pl- plague engineer on humans would, for example. I mean, yeah, but, like that that would be rough. Or um, I don't know, maybe maybe even like a mirror match where you're playing against a deck with bolt and plow and sinkhole and all of this other stuff, where um, where you can recur those spells with your creatures. I think that this might might have a spot. If you right. take a look at your actual spell suite, right? Like, you have a ton of ways to trigger this. And oh, yeah. I, I kind of think of it as... um, You know how you were talking about that red-green indestructible god creature that I keep on shitting on? Cla- yeah, uh, Clo- Clothis. Clothis, yeah. I, I kind of feel like that's this deck's Clothis, where like you, it just sits in play, it's hard to remove, it's an enchantment, and um, with the amount of spells that, that this deck is playing, it's just eventually going to win the game. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, this deck doesn't have, like, a, it, it is a little bit of a bigger deck, but it doesn't have, like, something like a Jace, where if there's, let's say, uh, Ensnaring Bridge, because you're in these colors, these these blue-red color, where you, you can't really remove stuff like uh, multiple Ensnaring Bridges and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, you, you have know. sideboard options for that. You I, Like, the card's in the sideboard, so we're not, we won't talk about, like, ways to remove it in the main deck, but... Um, you can take care of quite a few ensnaring bridges with uh, with a sideboard. Yeah, there's a single wear tear and a, a single engineered explosives. And you have brazen brazen borrower and a brazen borrower in the main. Yep. So, so I mean, it's that's, not that's not it's not as good as like two ancient grudges though, for example. True. Uh, so yeah, it, it, I don't know. It is uh, a a little bit of a blind spot, I think, and why. Aria Flame is almost like a planeswalker, I guess, in this deck because it it handles those 
alternate win con sort of scenarios. Right, and I mean, as long as you're not playing against like uh, like a black green shell, nobody is going to have ways to remove your enchantments and after sideboard. Like it's just that's not the thing people are thinking about. True, true. And we're not seeing a lot of abrupt decay or anything like that, so it does seem pretty safe. I don't know, man. I don't love the card, but obviously Tony Scapone's got more experience with these sort of archetypes than me, and three is a pretty strong number. <sighs> uh, no, I completely agree. And the first thing the first thing I noticed when I saw this deck uh, in the sideboard was like the three Aria Flame, and I was like, all right, how does this make sense? And it's right. the best way that I can wrap my head around it. Yep. All right, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be trying this deck out. Uh, congratulations, Tony Scapone. He top aided both this challenge and uh, I believe it was either the Gen Con event or the Missing Challenge. Oh, it was the Missing Challenge. I'm sorry. So he top aided this challenge and a challenge this week with about the same deck. So obviously doing well with it, but I don't know. I got to try it out and see what I think. Yeah. The other deck that I want to talk about from this missing challenge, though, I see you're clicking on it already. Yep, I already did. <laughs> this is an Esper deck. We, you know, this is our wheelhouse, right? No, this is your wheelhouse. This is our wheelhouse. <laughs> We've got uh, two Jace the Mind Sculptors, three Teferi Time Ravelers, one Narset, and one Kaya Orzov Absurper, who, uh, you know, we, we've always respected on this cast. Yeah, so the first thing that I see when I look at this deck is for an Esper deck, there's a surprisingly large number of four ofs. Yeah. And I, I like it. I like that <laughs> a lot. None of this three, two, one bullshit. It's playing four, four Strix, four Plague Engineer, four Ponder. Four Ponder. If you can and then that. four Brainstorm, Eliminate, and Swords to Plowshares. And Force of Will as well. Um, Bro, what about the sideboard? Four Surgical, four Thoughtseize. <laughs> it's, it's four ofs. And four Riptide Pilferer. I, I had to read this card um, yeah. because I'm not – I don't know why. I don't know either, bro. I think it was like put there on accident maybe. Um, what, what, what would it have been? I don't know, man. I, that uh, <laughs> Cutthroat Storm Chaser, whatever that thing is, the Brian, Brineborn Cutthroat. Okay. Same casting cost. You know, cast a spell on your opponent's turn, gets plus one, plus one counter. I I have no idea about that card, but the rest of the deck I like. I really yeah. do. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So so as you mentioned, so there's four Strixes and four Plague Engineers, along with two Grimmag Anglers. And then there's four Eliminates, four Plows. So if you count Strix as a removal spell, you're talking about like 12 removal spells and then Plague Engineers. So this deck must in my opinion absolutely just have been designed to sit on delver right i mean delver or or elves like if right. you really want to play elves against a deck that has four main deck plague engineer plus six copies of force of will and eight removal spells yeah i mean it's it's got to be a joke yeah to play against that to play, um, to, you know i also love the post board you being able to go up to three three narset obviously like this this deck the spell suite and the planeswalker suite is kind of kind of weak to red blast, but everything is. You do have your Gurmag anglers to get around that, but that's the only sort of like macro weakness that I see. Yeah, and there's a, a Gideon in the sideboard, and you have that Kaya in the main deck, and that's all you have really. Yep. 
but there's plenty of other options that you could play and um, that's the other reason I highlighted this deck is because I want to try it because most of what I'm playing against online is creature based I've been seeing a lot of goblins uh, I always see a lot of uh, like lands and depths which mm-hmm. this deck is kind of weak to but uh, not not that weak though but a are you going to be playing Riptide Pilferer? no no, I'm not going to play Riptide Pilfer. So I have four sideboard slots to work with, which is nice. But I really like this deck, man. I mean, I I really shudder at the thought of playing eight straight-up creature removal spells in my deck because how, how many decks sidestep that? But really, how many decks are we seeing right now that aren't creature decks and don't go through the graveyard? Like, there's, there's like, Doomsday and uh, the occasional... Brian Cook tests top eight, and that's mm-hmm. about it, right? Oh, uh, sorry, I I wasn't listening to anything you said. I was I'm on Gatherer, and I'm looking at all the creatures to start with Riptide because I'm trying to figure out what that card <laughs> probably like could have been. Yeah, it's it's probably like that's the card they they went they wanted to try, but um, I just I don't know. Yeah, it's strange. Also, um. Sneak and Show. I forgot to mention Sneak and Show. Uh, I mean, I'm specifically partial to the blue-green version if you're going to be playing against a lot of Rug Delver and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the the blue-green version is just brutal. And if I had a gun to my head, that is absolutely what I would be sleeping up in a, in a tournament. But uh, I'm not going to play it through leagues or anything, you know? Yeah, the, um, the NRG tournament and the Gen Con had two blue-red decks, right? Or did mm-hmm. they have green splashes in them? No, no, they were the red versions, which kind okay. of surprised me. Okay. I mean, you do get access to blasts, you know, mm-hmm. if you're playing red. And you probably have the better game one. But, like, you know, just having Veil of Summer and Coatl just seems like the right weapons to have right now. Yeah, I, I feel like I would probably start at some, like, suboptimal three-color list where you're playing <laughs> base blue-red and you're splashing green for Veil um, yeah. and things like that, so... I think that's where I would start if I was going to play Sneak and Show right now. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to highlight this deck, these two decks, because it's so rare these days that we're looking through the challenge results and I see a deck that I really want to play. So, yep. shout you, out you, to... You play an Esper deck and it gets published. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, so shout out to Janky B and Tony Scapone for, you know, showing that it's okay to play white. <laughs> And oh, oh, it, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to let that go. So Saturday's challenge, we've got 32 decks and not a single Stoneforge Mystic. I mean, that's that's how it has been. Yeah. Shout out to Terrano with turbo, Turbo-ish Depths winning. There's no petals or diamonds, but there are the full complement of Spirit Guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Excel with Blue-Red. Then we've got... Uh, who was it? Leofa with uh, Grub, Orion Snow. Uh, Thanks for everything with uh, Non Red Snow. Audio with Blue Black Ninjas. Uh, Sylvia Wataru, Rug Delver. Seamus with Goblins. And Misabi with Reclaimer Titan Post. Dude, with Muxus, I feel like we, we really missed something when we talked about Muxus. Why? Didn't we just say that we were wrong about it and uh oh yeah 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 it didn't suck (laughs) we we said that we were wrong about it certainly that we missed it but 
that uh, you were talking about how hard it is to get there off a of vial, and we never mentioned Lackey when we were talking about that. Oh, yeah. The, the other thing that we never mentioned was the Sack of Goblin get red mana. True. I think I did... Oh, maybe you did. I, I didn't. I didn't, really I, I didn't think about it. Prospector when it came to casting that. I just like was yeah. thinking about the old version of Goblin Shells, and I was just like, like honestly, uh, Lackey, Lackey never connects, right? Um, it, right. Well, I'm. I've never seen a Lackey connect, so that's from like my perspective yeah. of always dealing with the Lackey. Yeah. That I di- I forgot that they do sometimes connect. Yes, but like it is great when your Lackey connects and you're able to drop a, a six drop. You are. Yeah. You are correct. So the reason that I was thinking about it was because there's now lists labeled Turbo Muxus. And when I clicked on Turbo Muxus, I was thinking that there would be uh, multiple, you know, like four Skirk Prospectors and maybe like Desperate Ritual or something. Uh-huh. You know, basically more ways to cast Muxus. But what there actually were were copies of the red red goblin with double strike that lackeys i forget okay. what it's called uh, yeah um i know what you're instigator. talking about war warden warren instigator i think so yeah okay yeah um i i always had thought i'd seen goblin decks playing like one copy of that just as like a redundant redundant lackey but i don't know maybe it's just the the matchups that i played against goblins just you you hardly ever get to connect with those. And maybe the meta is different now where you do. Right. But with all the removal in the decks that we were talking about, uh, I, I don't I don't know if I see it. I guess against Rug Delver, like, they right. have lightning bolts and that's it. So maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm still not going to be sleeping up goblins or anything, but I did think, you know, once I was sort of playing it and looking at lists and stuff, I did think, okay, this makes a little more sense now. Uh-huh. Uh, the Warren Instigator plan and the the sort of Lackey plan. And a lot of times what they have now is Caracas to be able to bounce their Muxus or they play like Pashalik Mons too that makes two Goblin creature token things. Mm-hmm. They have like this, this uh, little sub package of legendary Goblins that interact well with Caracas. So if you get like a vial up to six and a Caracas and a Muxus, it's just like disgusting. Yeah, I just I want you to think about what you just said. I know. I know. It's it's very difficult to imagine yep. it happening. But I mean I like I like Caracas having goblins anyway, even before all of the shenanigans. Exactly. Um be, because you're you were able to make use of that. It shores up some matchups against things like show and tell and all of that where you didn't really have much of a chance. So um yep. Yeah, Caracas on its own is fine. Yeah. Well, I do like the the Pashalik Mons Caracas angle too because that's sort of like your your alternate wing con in that deck because it's like your way of like sacking goblins and dealing damage to them. So it's, it's kind of like this uh, aristocrat angle that you get to go. Yeah, so, but like with the... Okay. All right, yeah, you could use the Mons to like... To sacrifice some goblins and make some more tokens, but that doesn't interact with Caracas at all, does it? It's legendary, so you can protect it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, I, I kind of felt like we shortchanged Muxus a little bit. Obviously, we shortchanged it. It was sixty dollars online or whatever because everyone wanted to play it, and That's we talked about crazy. we talked about the fucking twin goblin. We talked about oh, the twin goblin. You know what else is crazy? Guy's cradle. We talked about that last week, but it's still <laughs> fucking crazy. 
It's still fucking crazy. I don't think we did talk about it on the cast. Oh, we talked about we just talked the about prices of cards. Yeah. Yeah. The the prices of dual lands or whatever. But yeah, Guy's Cradle apparently reached that tipping point too. It's the forgotten dual land, right? Like people forget about it. But do you have a place at a Cradles? I do. Yeah, I have elves, elves built. I've never had a place at a Cradles. I've had I think two because I got like a beat up one at some point in the trade. Uh huh. But I only have one now, and I've only usually ever had one as like the sort of uh, what do you call it, like Maverick package, you know, Knight mm-hmm. of the Reliquary option. Hey, have you seen what Mox Diamond has done lately? No. I just want you to look up Mox Diamond right now. All right, hold up. It is. I could get one on TCG Player. For, what the fuck? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! I thought it was gonna be like two forty, and yeah. I was gonna be like, "Yeah, it's like, I, it's I like had fucking a double that." Yeah, that's fucking insane. So, is this what you were saying? So, I think you actually had a good rebuttal to me last week, where you were saying that nobody's selling, nobody's going to these events and turning their inventory over to the vendors. Yeah, so all of the stuff is like dried up with the vendors and sitting in people's closets. And if you want to like buy one right now. It's like you go to Facebook and check the prices that are kind of based off of like some percentage of TCG player and everything is just creeping up. Yeah. I funded a lot of my legacy collection with diamonds, actually. I, uh, I had a play set when I came back to playing because I got them when they were standard cards, you know. What but- the fuck? Sorry, I'm on, I'm on MTG stocks right now. And Yog Moss Will is 150 bucks. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, continue. Oh, so when I came back to playing Legacy, diamonds were still only like 40 bucks. And I was like, what the fuck? These cards are four ofs when they're played. And they're from Stronghold, which if you if you go back in time, like it was a smaller set. So you got, you opened more diamonds, but it, there just weren't that many packs opened. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I've always been partial to the, the cards like Mox Diamond over, like, a Guy's Cradle or Tolarian Academy or something because th- I just feel like there are fewer of them in, exi- in existence. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, obviously, I, I bought a ton of them for 40 and sold a ton of them for 120 and funded a lot of my legacy collection that way. But I guess they finally popped. So what do you think, man? When the inventory comes back, let's say we're having paper events again this time next year and people are selling cards again. Does the price go back down for these? No, I think prices are kind of sticky. I think they're going to stay there for a little bit. I think they... Right, because people aren't going to want to sell them for 200 right? When did Sword of Feast and Famine be a $60 card? Well, that's what started this whole investigation is they reprinted it and I was like, oh, that's probably going to destroy the price. I should have sold it for 30 or whatever and realized that, no, it was $60. I think I have six of them. <laughs> well, because I had my original playset from Cobblade back in the day. I yeah. have one of the Judge promos that I got from Judging. I only have probably two, but... That, I mean, it's... that's enough to play. You don't have to be yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Oh, it's, man. It's wild, though, right? I, like... I don't know what's going on. Oh, by the way, I've fucking been loving Sword of Feast and Famine in uh in the Blade deck you've been playing. In the Blade deck, yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely I'm, uh, main deck. I'm sure you're right. I just... What's awesome about it is with Fire and Ice and Feast and Famine, because what you're worried about now are Coatles. Like, Strixes and Coatles. Yep. And Feast and Famine connects right through those, just like Fire and Ice does. 
Okay. So yeah, it's I can see really it. I nice. can see it. Really nice. And just being able to cast your spells and then hold up your counter magic is is just what you're looking for right now. So I I've been extremely impressed with Feast of Famine. But yeah, dude, these Mox Diamond prices are insane. The Cradle prices are obviously insane. And it's it's just so weird, man, because like who the fuck is even playing with these cards right now? It's gotta be what you said that just nobody's selling these cards to vendors, so Or people are like home uh take like isolating from Corona, just playing a bunch of kitchen table magic and cards like humility are now fifty bucks. Kitchen is... table magic. I guess all these cards are Well like Commander, unquote, Commander. EDH well, I, I, cards, I meant I right? meant Commander. No, yeah, no, I I'm saying these are all EDH cards, right? Yeah. Or they seem like they would be at least. That's crazy. Alright, we gotta get off this case because Yeah. Yeah. So the other challenge, the Sunday challenge, which is funny in its own right, because there are so many more people in the Sunday challenge than the Saturday challenge, but Rock Nation, Four Color Snow, B New, Rug Delver, JPA Rug Delver, with a copy of Run Afoul on the sideboard. Shout out to Tom Cairns. Because I never thought that card would show up. Yep. And then, dude, the number four list, Vipex, with a black-white Eldrazi deck. And when I, when I saw black-white Eldrazi, I was like, what the fuck? What is this? Uh, Wasteland Strangler or something? It's not. What card, you know what card? Fucking Eliminate, bro. Okay. Which makes sense, right? Because these decks can't play Plow because there's they're Chalice decks, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then there's no, like, two-mana Plow, which has always driven me crazy that there's no two-mana Brainstorm and no two-mana Plow for when you go in Chalice. Yo, yeah. No, I understand. Um, having a two-cost removal spell is great, but, like, it doesn't screw up the mana base playing basically, like, three colors with not a ton of fixing. Well, so the the direction that Vipex went was four Caves of Coilos in the main deck, and then two Urborgs, and <sighs> three Lotus Petals instead of like Spirit Guides. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I I can see. I guess I can see it working. And then the other benefit are one Plague Engineer main deck and two in the sideboard, mm-hmm. which is a great way to be elves with this deck, and then four Leyline of the Void so that you're more likely to cast. Yeah, I mean, against the Leyline matchups, you're probably just mulling to it anyway. But with right. Urborg, like, you do have the ability to actually just straight up cast it, so I guess... Yeah. I guess that's fine. I, um... I like the idea. I'm not 100% sold, but the Plague Engineers seem like a, a pretty good way of beating your go-wide matchups. Right. And Displacer... Displacer's still really good. Um, I fucking love Displacer. Just landing bro. a Displacer against Turbo Depths. Just you gotta feel like, you gotta feel so good having that on board. So it's one of my favorite cards of all time for sure. So obviously I'm partial to this deck. I'm also partial to it because this is the Eldrazi deck that I was trying to brew originally, and I've always just had a soft spot for it. Would like to see Wasteland Strangler still, but that's my own fucking weird thing. Yeah, yeah, you won't see that. No. So, yeah, respect to Vipex, but this is what I was saying where this toppy is Rug Delver, Rug Delver, Snow, and a variant of Eldrazi, which is like every top eight now, right? Yep. 
Then we've got Bryant Cook in fifth with Tess. This is, uh, I wanted to review it really quick because this is like a, a Tess deck for, in my opinion, the, the Rug Delver world because this is for Veil of Summer Tess. Yeah, I think Bryant called it um, Rug Killer Tess. Okay. Yeah, two defense grids and four Veil of Summers. So this is sort of like when I was talking about I would be playing the blue-green Shotel yep. deck. Mm-hmm. This is the the Tess version of that, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I can I can absolutely see it. And so Rug yeah, does give that Sager. sort of, uh, I don't know, like target to, to aim at. So right. four Carpet of Flowers and four Veil of Summers just it seems seems very good. Exactly. And then the two defense grids, which are sort of like the Besajus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just seems like it, it does the job. So then in sixth place, we got Phil Helmuth with lands, and it's like two Elvish Reclaimers in lands, just gives you a sort of another option. We used to see an Oko or Uro in that spot recently, mm-hmm. but lands does seem like it would be good right now. It's I'm, I'm kind of puzzled when I don't see many lands decks these days, but I don't know if people just don't want to be playing it online or if it's not as good as I think it would be. Um... I I think maybe, given that Punishing Fire doesn't hit Arcanist, it it might not be that great. It might be not as great as you think it is. Okay. Because the the decks that are relying on Arcanist for card advantage can just like churn 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 and just end up pulling ahead. True. Um, they can, they can just dig up lands that way. And yeah. Whatever. But maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. No, that sounds fair. Seventh place is Tony Scapone with pretty much the exact same deck that we talked about already. Uh, I think it is the same, except there's another plow on the sideboard now. And eighth place is Wordy with a medium to slow depth deck. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of boring. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's the challenges. We've we've talked about sort of the the sameness of these top eights that we keep seeing and it kind of is what it is i'm really looking forward to playing those two decks though this week awesome i can't wait to hear about it oh dude 22nd place qb turtle with a stoneblade deck oh yeah i saw that you put this in the the cast notes did you see that the um the esper vial there was a 45 page primer that got written on esper vial dude i didn't download it but i did see it I, i i breezed through it uh, it was extremely detailed, and I did not finish reading all of it, but I retweeted that for everybody. Interesting. I'm definitely going to check that out. I did like playing the deck. I did. I do like the deck, but I just I want to go a different direction. So I This Jeskai deck, the Stoneblade deck that Huey Turtles was playing, this yeah. is like straight out of 2015 except for the Force Indication. Bro, what about the Triome? Okay, sorry. And the... Uh, one triome but you take out the one force of negation and the one triome and this is like a grand prix dc grand prix new jersey yeah uh, jessica deck i love it it pretty much is the one thing that i hated about the decks then that i still don't like about them is four stone forge with one one batter skull one jet yeah you you did hit points where Yes. After sideboarded games happened, uh, if your opponents brought in uh, artifact removal, you would find yourselves with like dead stone forges. Right. Um, There's no swords in the sideboard or anything. Yeah. So like, how you know how conservative do you have to play? And 
you're almost never going to end up... I know you can do things like shuffle them back into your deck. I know you can do things like bounce the batter skull and shuffle it back in and all that stuff, but you're still going to have to be using so many of your, your brainstorms to do that sort of thing. You're going to split on Stone Forges at some point. Like, I just... I feel like you'd need a third equipment in the sideboard. Yeah, I always played three. I was I was pretty much constantly playing Fire and Ice with this, too. Yep. So, so that's my, my only nitpick... Overall, though, I have to give respect. Obviously, QB Turtle is a evolved individual not playing Snowlands. Three islands, one mountain, one plains. He's a, he's a true man of culture. Yep. So this, this uh, return to tradition vibe I get from this deck, loving it. Two Prismatic Vistas, which is just awesome. Oh, I like missed an- that. Another, another addition to this deck. Yep. Sorry. Five cards away from 2014. Yeah. But no, I, I actually really like this deck too. So I, I guess I should give this a shout because I, I think you really need the blasts. Like what what I've learned from sort of my dive into Stoneblade is if you're not playing blasts, you're just giving up equity right now. Yep, that makes a ton of sense. It's the perfect time for it. Yep. So yeah, respect. And with that said, uh, I think that about wraps it up. What do you think, bro? Uh, I think you're right. Did if I people want to follow you on... What? Nothing. No, we're good. I hit record. I have oh a dual monitor God. set up now, so when I when I was looking for my, uh, my audacity, I was <sighs> like, fuck, where is it? It's going. We're good. Bro, it's crazy that we're on 109 episodes now, and you haven't failed to hit record at all. I, I've failed at least two times. I'm paranoid about it, because it happened early on when when we right. had that happen, and I'm like, that, I'm, I hope that's never me. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah basically uh people want to find you on twitter to see your retweeting 45 page strategy guys uh you can find me at tsmileymtg make sure you go take a look at lawrence Harmon's take on bread um bread bread I didn't see that yeah um just you gotta find it you i hate bread it. in general so yep um, i'm looking forward to this all right uh, Ian18125 on Twitter com. if you want to email the podcast I promise we will check the emails next week probably have a bunch of them sitting there right now but yeah so yeah deadformatcast on Twitter also uh, upcoming string of guests so you won't have to listen to Tom and I talk about Rugdelver decks for another week and that's a wrap